Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why MidwayUSA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. MidwayUSA brand product designers have one straightforward goal, develop high-quality, technically sound products, and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com and I've always kind of been a fitness guy, been into sports and athletics, but I actually hated running. What, what I decided is that, you know, my pace isn't what matters right now. It's not, I don't have to run the fastest mile. I just need to keep moving. Do not accept that, you know, this is impossible. Do not accept that this can't be done. Do not limit myself. I'm gonna push myself and try and figure out how much more I can accomplish and what, what I can do if I really set my mind. If I can see it, I can get to it. And I just don't ever feel like I'm limited by that. I got into mountain running and trail running, and I found that now the roads are boring. I don't, I can't stand running on a treadmill now. I'm excited each hunting season as I've improved the last few years on fitness and focus on, on you know, being in shape and not being intimidated by anything. Hey, this is Mike Merrill, and you're listening to Living Country in the City, episode number 24. Y'all ready for your dose of flyover state spirit? Straight from the concrete jungle? Well, put down your latte and pull on your boots. It's time for Living Country in the City. Hey, y'all. Thank you for joining me for episode 24 of Living Country in the City. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. If this is your first time joining us for the podcast, welcome. Now, wherever you're listening from, make sure you take a moment to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. It's really easy. You can search for Living Country in the City on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, or whatever your favorite podcast platform is. You can go to the show notes page for any of these episodes, and I also link directly to several different podcast platforms that you can subscribe from. Now, something you could really do to help this podcast grow is to give it an honest rating and review on iTunes or Stitcher. It really only takes a minute, and you can honestly probably get one done before I even really start the podcast here. You know, as a matter of fact, why don't I just give you a quick second to head on over and do that right now? So, yeah, this is just the spot where you hop on over, um, go to iTunes or Stitcher, and uh, yeah, start leaving that review. Y'all aren't just sitting here listening to this, are you? You're you're actually going over and you know giving me some stars and 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 writing nice things about me, right? You're not... Because if you're just listening, this is kind of creepy. Well, anyway, now that you're back from leaving me an honest review and rating on iTunes or Stitcher, we can get into it. Uh, um, today, I'm talking with my good buddy, Mike Merrill. Mike is a very experienced hunter, and I'll tell you... When I'm dragging some mornings trying to get out to shoot or hike before work and I'm just really not feeling it, Mike is one of those guys that always manages to inspire me to just get out there and work harder and push further. Now, this guy is always out hammering the hills and shooting his bow and just working his butt off. Even in the wee small hours of the morning, he's always just grinning ear to ear loving every mile he runs, it seems like. And I'm excited to talk with him today about preparing for the hunting season. So without further ado, Mike, thank you so much for joining me today. You bet, Sam. Thanks for having me, man. Appreciate it. So uh, really quick, why don't you just give us an intro about kind of your history with hunting and the outdoors and fishing? Okay, great. Um, so I, uh, I 
grew up loving the outdoors, hunting, fishing, um, backpacking, hiking, all of all those types of things. Grew up in the Boy Scouts. Um, spent spent my life um, just trying to get out of doors as often as possible. So, um, as as a young man, um, probably like a lot of people, my dad was a weekend deer hunter and rifle only. <laughs> and in fact, uh, what what's kind of funny is I think I was probably 17 or 18 years old when I finally realized that the deer hunt went longer than Saturday. <laughs> so, uh, so I, I kind of, um, you know, as I, as I got more into hunting on my own and, and kind of grew up, um, loving it, I, uh, of course found, found my passion and, uh, have continued on that for the last 35, 40 years. Wow. And found out that they, uh, issue tags for more days than the weekend, right? Yeah, that's, that's right. So, um, you know, and it's funny cause we, I mean, I grew up in a big family, had uh, actually 13 kids in our home. So seven wow. boys and six girls, so huge family. So the deer hunt was quite an adventure and it more ended up just being a, a night up in the mountains in the motor home where we got a campfire, stuffed our pockets full of, um, you know, saltwater taffy, root beer barrels, butterscotch. And, uh, you know, we'd hike up the nearest ridge, sit there for a couple of hours until it was time to go home. So, well, so do, uh, do any of your brothers and sisters, do they hunt or? So, yeah, I, uh, it, it's, it's kind of unique, um, for me. Um, and my, my dad actually passed away when I was 13. So I was pretty young and, uh, died of a heart attack. He was young. He was only 45 years old. So I didn't, um, didn't really have a whole lot of, um, hunting history or background growing up, but. I was always so drawn to it that uh, I made my older brother, Chris, take me hunting every year. And so um, even though um, I couldn't get my own tag until I think the year I was 15, they finally allowed 14-year-olds to get a deer permit in Utah. And so at that point and from then on, I've, I've just always had a tag and, and always made sure I got out on the hunt. So uh, now tag or not, what was, uh, what, what was the age you were at when you took your first deer? So I was, uh, about 18 years old. The first, the first time I took a deer. So um, okay. I, I grew up not, you know, again, the weekend hunter mentality was, and we were lucky to see a couple of does usually. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> I didn't really have the background of, of really understanding. Um, and we had one pair of Sears 1050 binoculars that we kind of shared. I mean, it was just really not an environment where I was going to learn a whole lot of skill. And so I had to kind of pick that up on my own. And um, my girlfriend at the time, in, uh, towards the end of high school, her father was really into hunting. And so I really glommed onto that and uh, hung out with him as much as I could and uh, learned about good optics. And so in my, by my early 20s, I was you know, saving all my paychecks and my extra money to buy you know, Zeiss and Swarovski and getting Leopold scopes and getting a better, better weapons. Eventually, I got into archery where I really found my passion um, about 15 years ago. And so I, I try and use my bow um, just about whenever I can now. So what got you started on archery versus uh, rifle hunting? So uh, so my my uh, she's my wife now. So we, we did end up getting <laughs> married. But my girlfriend's father would always um, he would always shoot whatever buck he could have an opportunity at with his bow. And that always ended up being his meat buck. And then he would try and, you know, get a little bit nicer, more mature deer with his rifle when he could. And so I kind of watched him archery hunting and uh, eventually got my own bow and started going out with him and target practicing there in the backyard. They've got five acres um, down out in rural Utah. And so uh, started on that. And really the, the, the place where I found my passion with archery hunting was um, Utah came out with this program called the Dedicated Hunter Permit. And uh, I'm actively in that program still, and it lasts for three years, and you can uh, legally tag two buck deer within any three-year period, but it gives you an opportunity to hunt during the entire archery season, the muzzleloader season, and then the rifle season. And so um, I just learned, um, in fact, my first year that I, I entered that program, I tried to spend a little bit more time out in the field and focus on archery, and I had counted, I counted 34 bucks that I had an opportunity to, um, to shoot with my bow if I had chosen to. Now that was my first year hunting. I could only <laughs> tag two deer in three years. So I never really got my sights on any total monsters. And so I, I didn't end up um, shooting one that first year, but, um, but it just opened a whole new world for me. 
you know, on the rifle hunt, it was, you know, you're lucky to see, you know, a few bucks um, while on the hunt. So archery was just a lot better opportunity. I saw more wildlife, got out, got more quiet and more skill and just really enjoyed it a lot more than, than the rifle hunt. So talking about building up your skill, what's your, what do you do to prepare for the hunting season? Well, I think, um, you know, and over the years, this has continued to adapt. And even, you know, this year I'm doing more trail cameras and kind of um, spending more preseason preparation. Um, you know, probably, I think it's been four or five years ago, I really started following and, and kind of watching people like Cameron Haynes. Um, I, I, uh, I noticed um, they were really into the fitness and I've always kind of been a fitness guy, I've been into sports and athletics, but I actually hated running. Um, and my wife has been a lifelong runner and she's, she's really avid at it and she does it just for her health. She doesn't enter a bunch of races or do anything crazy, but she just does it for her health and her fitness. And so she was always telling me, you got to come running with me. And so once in a while she dragged me out and other than like junior high track, I couldn't stand running, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I if can't, I got to hit I can't somebody, blame tackle you. somebody or chase a ball. I was all about it. Always into sports, but um, baseball, especially loved basketball, played football, but I, um, I just never could get excited about running. And so Cameron really turned me on to it. And then I, I've, I have another, I have a cousin, um, her husband is known as the iron cowboy and uh, his name's James Lawrence. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but, uh, fascinating story. Um, and w- what he did, he's actually a triathlete and he did 50 full Ironman triathlons in 50 days consecutively in all 50 states in the United States. Are you kidding me? No. <laughs> so that world record crazy, but yeah. So. That is insane. I can't imagine doing a single triathlon. Um. Yeah. So he did that about three years ago. And I had, because of, of Cam, I, I really started taking fitness more seriously and kind of off-season preparation and, uh, and other people like Zach Griffith and, you know, others in the, in the Josh Bomar other hunters that I was familiar with and really enjoyed following and learning about their story um, kind of inspired and motivated me to do this. But um, this James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy, was uh, undertaking this feat about three years ago. And so I made up my mind um, the beginning of the year, my New Year's resolution, I'm going to start running and I'm going to run, you know, three or four times a week. And I had a goal to run 250 total miles by Easter. And so that was my goal. And I'm very goal oriented. I love, you know, accomplishing something. And, um, and I, so I, with the apps that are out on our phones and things now and, and being able to quote unquote, keep score of my run mm-hmm. that helped motivate me, you know, and the competitive juices started flowing. And, Oh, you use so, the, you use the Nike run app on the phone, I, right? I do. Yeah. I've, I do. I've seen the maps. I recognize the maps cause I've used them. And that app is one thing that helped me get more into running. I still absolutely hate running and don't do it enough, but <laughs> The fact that it compares you and ranks you with the friends you're connected with, oh man! I like I had zero des- I had zero desire to run, but the second I saw that there was some sort of ranking, I'm like, I gotta get out and run! I gotta get out and run! And this was before I started hunting anything, but I was just so I'm so competitive that when it there's there's one data and two rankings, oh man, get me get me out there. Yeah. So, so and it's funny. I'm, I'm, I'm built the same way. I think the same way. I really, um, it just drives me. And so then, so then I thought, okay, I've got a goal now. So by Easter, I got to hit 250 miles. So the Saturday before Easter, I eclipsed, I think I landed on 254 miles. So I was excited. I thought, okay. And what's funny, um, you know, I'm, I'm a little, I mean, I like to invest in good equipment and I'm not afraid to, to invest money in something that I'm passionate about. But I had I had not decided that I was a runner yet. So I'm buying these, you know, $30 Ross dress for last shoes that look like running shoes, you know, whatever I could get. And my wife's like, you really need to get yourself a nice pair of shoes like these Hoka's that she had and and Under Armour had some awesome uh, fat tires that were out. And I, I told my wife, as soon as I really feel like, OK, I'm committed to this and I'm, I'm now a runner, then I'll, I'll start you know investing in it and taking it a little more seriously. So. So I ran for a few more months, and, and what I decided at that time of, of Easter, I thought, well, okay, I'm 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 getting better at this, getting faster. I'm I'm actually enjoying it a little bit. It took me about a month to really enjoy it, 
Um, and then, um, and I, you know, the other thing, and this is kind of a secret, at least for me, what, what I decided is that, you know, my pace isn't what matters right now. It's not, I don't have to run the fastest mile. I just need to keep moving. Um, if I have to walk, cause I'm, you know, just, just have to for a minute or this hill is too steep. I'm okay with that. I'm not in a race. I'm running to be fit and to get into shape and to feel better. And so that really allowed me the latitude that I needed to kind of hit that stride and to find that passion and to really start enjoying it for the sake of running, as opposed to like it was a chore or it was something that was a punishment, you know? <laughs> so, so that was, that was something that was key for me. But, um, but that year that I started that goal, that was, um, you know, it's been three years ago now, James had, had this, this iron cowboy had determined that he was going to do this 50, 50, 50. And, um, he already had like the world record for most triathlons or half triathlons in a year and a couple other records, but he really wanted to push himself. And so I, um, we were at like a, I think it was a Memorial day holiday picnic with the family. We were getting together after visiting graves and, and, uh, spending time together. And I was talking to him about this and he was in about two months from that time, he was getting ready to embark on this journey. So I decided, well, I'm going to get, I'm going to get in shape and I'm going to run that I'm going to run a marathon with him, even though I've only been running for like five months at this point. Mm -hmm. like my furthest run was like seven miles by that point, you know? <laughs> so then I had another goal and I'm like, okay. And not only that, I'm going to run a thousand miles this year. So I thought I've got, I got to run 750 the last, the last, um, three fourths of the year and, or, or sorry, uh, two thirds of the year. It was, it was already April Easter time by then. So I set those two goals and um, we got closer to uh, James doing this, this uh, 50, 50, 50 thing. And I found out my wife and I were in charge of this family reunion, which was going to be in Southern Utah. Well, James was going to finish his 50th race in Utah. And I was going to be like four miles away or four hours away from where this was going to happen. So I was literally like depressed and sad and felt like, oh my gosh, how could I miss this? This is this is half the reason I'm even doing this is to be a part of it. I'm so excited. And my wife said, well, you're traveling for work all the time. Why don't you just fly out somewhere and run with him wherever he's at? That makes sense. So I'm like, why didn't I think of that? You know? <laughs> so I, so I booked a flight for like five days from that date and flew out to Waconia, Minnesota. <laughs> Never heard of the place. <laughs> and, and decided I was going to run this, uh, this marathon for the first time. And so I flew a red eye flight, got there at 630 in the morning. He was starting his swim at 730 in the morning. So I went straight from the airport to it ended up being at a lifetime fitness because the there were like four foot swales at the lake he was going to swim in. So he had to do it indoors, um, but uh, went and watched him do that, sent him off on the bike ride. And it, that evening he was going to finish up with his run um, from about 5, uh, 5 p.m. till 1030 or 11 p.m. So I went, took an hour and a half nap at the hotel. So I would, now I'm going on three hours total sleep, an hour and a half of it was on an airplane, <laughs> and I'm getting ready to run a marathon. So anyway, I ended up doing it. I made it. He encouraged me, he helped me. He, he was uh, wonderful. Um, and uh, I finished this marathon with him. And, and it was just, uh, you know, just such an amazing experience to be a part of that and to watch him accomplish this. Um, Nine days later, he finished his 50th. He, he accomplished this. People, doctors said, you're going to die doing it. Your body can't handle it. It's not possible. And you know, he just had a book come out and some really, uh, a, a movie and some other things. Really fascinating story. But it's people like that that just do not accept that, you know, this is impossible. Do not accept that this can't be done. Do not limit myself. I'm going to push myself and try and figure out how much more I can accomplish and what what I can do if I really set my mind to it. So that is absolutely amazing. Um, boat Trader is America's largest boating marketplace with over 100,000 boats to choose from. We offer simple, comprehensive solutions for those looking to sell, find, and finance new or used boats. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Now, have you seen your since you've been getting into fitness and running more, have you seen your hunting style change? Oh man, it really has. Um, I, you know, the thing is, is uh, everybody, um, 
everybody see, you know, if you, when you, when you have quality optics and you get spotting scopes and you have the ability to reach out pretty far and, and see a game up on, on a mountainside or up in a canyon or up in the cliffs, it's, it's really easy to say, oh man, that's a big buck. I, that one's worth hiking up there. And, but very few people actually ever do it. And so now, um, I, th- there's, if I can see it, I can get to it. And I just don't ever feel like I'm limited by that. And I, even this year, even in the last few months, um, another thing that, you know, uh, Cameron Haynes has been packing his pack full of rocks and hauling <laughs> stuff up mountains forever. Right. Well, I started doing that. I got into mountain running and trail running and I found that now the roads are boring. I don't, I can't stand running on a treadmill now because I don't get the same workout. And so I kind of, you know, got my pace and, and figured out there, I've got a really steep mountain here, really close to my house, about a thousand feet of gain in the first mile. And, um, and I, you know, I run as much as I can and then I hike fast up what I can't. And, um, in about three months, I improved my pace by about eight minutes in that first mile. Oh, wow. It's, so it's just a whole different, well, the last few weeks I've been putting a 50 or 60 pound pack on my back and doing the same thing. And I'm not that much slower now but it's just my my fitness level my endurance my ability to move quickly and have confidence is just it's a whole new level that i've i've never had so i'm i'm excited each hunting season as i've improved the last few years on fitness and focus on on you know being in shape and not being intimidated by anything well i i mean i have to say you know every time i see one of your photos pop up on instagram of you running and one, I did not know anybody but Cam Haynes could smile this much while running this far with a pack. And and guys, if you haven't checked out Mike's Instagram, we'll we'll post up a link to it on the show notes page. It'll be livingcountryinthecity.com slash twenty-four. But you've got to check this guy out. I mean, if you want like encouraging and inspiring photos, like it's just it's nonstop the biggest smile he's hauling butt up these mountains, you know, and it's, it's just super inspiring. It's, it's super inspiring for me. Um, but you know, I'm the, I'm the same way where I, you know, I run on a treadmill when I go to my, I work with a personal trainer twice a week and I run on a treadmill for that. And, um, and it's funny when I compare that to even just when I run on the street, it's so much more difficult. Like I feel so much more tired and winded when I run on a treadmill versus doing that same pace on the street, just cause it's, I'm, I'm sitting there staring at the, you know, the, the 10th of a mile tick by slowly. <laughs> and, and then, but you know, at least, you know, when you're running on the street, there's distractions, you know, you're listening to music, you, there's stuff to look at. And then the one thing I just really want is to be able to run a little bit more in nature. And that's one of the difficult things for me being in the city is I just don't have access to that. And I'm, I'm starting to kind of look around and a lot of the parks here, you don't necessarily want to run in at night. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. So it's Different kind uh, of wildlife there, right? <laughs> yeah. There's, I do have Griffith park, not too far from me and it's, it's, uh, a little bit nicer. There's some areas where I might be able to get away with running. So I've got to, I've got to go check that out, but I definitely need to get, get out running more often. And I think, you know, I'm going to take a, a note from your book and I'm going to look at, you know, what I think I can realistically achieve, you know, by, um, you know, maybe by hunting season or whatever that is, you know, set my goal, you know, figure out what I can realistically achieve each week, you know, figure out what that'll be up until September and then, you know, add, add five miles to it or something. And, uh, and, you know, see what I can do. I think, uh, I think I'm going to pull a page from your book with that one and, uh, give it a try. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I, I, you know, and and it's funny too, because, and and, and I think a lot of people are, are pretty goal oriented. I mean, we always make New Year's resolutions, but for me, um, and that was the other thing really that, um, social media, the, the blessing of it to me, at least, is it holds me a little bit more accountable. I mean, I just, I'm, I, I want to do what I say. So I'm not going to say I'm going to do this unless I'm going to do it. And so as soon as I post that, that's it. You know, I mean, I got, I just, I have people that, you know, like, uh, like you're mentioning and mentors and, and people that inspire me. And I get words of encouragement and people cheering me on people that I, 
maybe haven't seen them for 20, 25 years, but we're, we're motivating each other and we're, you know, we're helping each other along. And it's those um, messages of, of messages of encouragement and those people that are cheering for you that really um, keep me motivated. And I, even when one of the things that I hear from a lot of people, um, you know, how do you even stay healthy? How do you, I mean, now I'm, I got these fat tire two Under Armour shoes that I just love. I mean, they're, I, I couldn't find any keep hammering ones that uh, <laughs> were, but so I had to buy the ones that Under Armour would sell me. But um, I just love those shoes. And I, I, I can, uh, you know, they look like a big knobby mountain bike tire, like they're like a fat tire mountain bike. And I've been able to run anywhere and up anything. And, <laughs> and I've been able to stay. I haven't, I haven't wiped it yet. It'll probably happen at some point now that I jinx myself but um <laughs> but i i almost ran over like a dozen people um last saturday coming down this trail they were hiking up there and their eyes looked like saucers they could not believe that this dude was running down this steep trail with a poodle following them and a big backpack on but you know i just they're like don't don't kill yourself I'm, i'll be fine and i just you know ran on down the mountain but um so does does the dog keep up pretty well he does for the most part. Yeah. And that's another thing. I mean, it just, um, you know, it, 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 it might even sound stupid, but he's a great running buddy. Cause he, <laughs> he, you know, I, I, I get tired before he does. So, um, so that makes it nice and it, it motivates me to get him out also. Um, it's my daughter's dog, but, uh, but I have a lot of fun getting him out and that's, you know, he doesn't even need a leash anymore. He's just used to it. He loves getting in the truck. He knows when I'm getting ready to run. He sees me putting my my gear on and getting ready, and he just gets excited. So, um, yeah, it, it it keeps it fun and a little bit interesting too. So. I've uh, I've tried running with my dogs a few times enough to where they kind of recognize the running gear, um, but I love them to death. But they're the most miserable dogs to run with. Um, one, I almost ended up breaking breaking a finger because one. Uh, decided he was just you know we were running i was like oh awesome you know we're going good this is finally kind of got into our rhythm and then one of them just decided he's like nope and so right as we're passing a street sign he just dives off to the left and the way uh the way i had the leashes kind of wrapped around my hand because i'm running through the city um it slipped off my hand and just landed around my pinky finger and he wraps around this pole at high speed and just jerks my hand back. And I swear I just snapped off my finger. Oh gosh. Um, and yeah, that was the, uh, that was the last time I ran with them for a while. Um, I need to, you know, I need to find a good spot. Once I, once I find a spot that's a little more outdoors than that I can run regularly, then I'll take them out again and start running. But when it comes to just, running around through the city. And to be honest, uh, there's a lot of like homeless encampments under the bridges kind of where I run. And so with the dogs, you know, they want to go off and interact and there's always dogs there and they want to play. And so it's just, you know, it makes it a little more difficult to focus on, on getting out there, but I, I enjoy having them out and it, it, you know, helps break up the monotony of just a plain old run. Um, and you know, so it's, I don't know. I got to find a, I got to find a solution for this, but, um, yeah, one thing I used to do and, and I still, I mean, like I said, I, I've been really just um, focusing on, you know, trail running more lately just cause it, it just gives me such a better workout. But I used to run around the cemetery locally here. That was, that was a really good place. Um, you know, I do have like probably a 10 minute walk from me. I do have the Hollywood forever cemetery and that is a huge cemetery it's beautiful. It's where all the, you know, a lot of like movie stars are buried and stuff like that. And I'll have to check out what the access is to that because that would actually be a fantastic place to start running. Yeah, it's pretty peaceful. I, I enjoy And again, my wife, she runs a lot too. And we, we actually try and run together. I've taken her up on the mountain a few times and she actually loves that also. So um, she's not quite as uh, revved up over it as I am. And, and I won't see her wearing a camel backpack anytime soon, but um, I definitely, uh, you know, it's good to have a running buddy, whether it's your spouse or a girlfriend or your, you know, your dogs, whatever it is that that can help. So is there anything else you're doing right now that's uh, kind of helping you prepare for hunting season coming up? Yeah. So um, another thing, you know, I've really gotten into, um, you know, Ryan Carter with DC Outfitters has some really awesome stuff. In fact, he did a, a podcast with um, Zach Griffith talking about trail cams and um, you know, where to set them and how, and kind of some of the methodologies that they use. That's, 
I, you know, subscribed to, um, you know, a page from, from uh, Ryan's book on um, some of those strategies. I've really enjoyed doing that. Um, it also gets me up, um, you know, up in the higher mountains and some of those canyons and deep pockets, uh, you know, before the season really starts to get up there and kind of see what's going on. So that's another thing that's really helped me prepare. Um, another thing too, and you know, um, it is funny how, uh, even this last year or so, I, I always thought it was crazy to like, when I, when I um, go to the gym, I would run, uh, run on the treadmill only after doing my weights. You know, if I lifted first, um, then it seemed like the run was something I could gut myself through. But I found if I, if I um, did it the other way, or yeah, if I did it the, ro- the wrong order, I just didn't have time. I didn't have the energy to lift those weights um, because I was tired of, of the running. So, um, but now um, I keep my bow in my truck, and as a reward for myself, cheesy as it could sound, <laughs> I I shoot you know a dozen or fifteen or twenty arrows um, after my run. And I leave my pack on if I have it on, or if I don't, if I didn't run with the pack, I throw the pack on. I just try and make it as much like I just hiked up this crazy mountain and I'm on the ridge and, you know, it's time to, it's go time, you know, get the bow out and see if I can get dialed in. And that has really, really helped me dial in my accuracy. I'm not, even if I'm a bit winded, I'm I'm used to shooting that way now, where before all this, um, you know, I would, like a lot of people, I'd pull my bow out three, four weeks before the season, dust it off, start throwing a few arrows through it. And, you know, um, this last year I've, I've been shooting my bow all year since last season. So, um, it's just a, it, it, I can feel it's an entirely different game now. And I, I just feel a lot more prepared and, and lethal to accomplish whatever, you know, I, I certainly won't, um, I won't shy away from getting where I need to get if, if there's an animal that I, that I want to go after. So with this new, uh, ultra lethal mentality, what are you excited for this year? So I, um, I'm still waiting to hear on my Wyoming draw results. I know they had a really rough winter. So I think the deer herd struggling up there. Um, I put in for unit G. Um, so we'll see if I draw that. I also um, put in for an antelope permit. And I, um, if I draw that, I'm going to, I'm going to try and uh, take that with my bow also. And then I did draw a really cool tag in New Mexico um, for the Barbary sheep. And uh, they're a really cool looking animal. Um, one of my partners at work, my buddies, um, drew one of those a few years ago. And he and a friend of his were able to harvest um, a, a nice ram. And uh, so I'm very excited about that. I'm going to also try and go after that with my bow, too. Whoa, I just, I, I just looked one up. I've never, I'm not familiar with the animal, but that is cool they got the the those like long beards and uh, yeah they got a mane almost there even down their legs they've got that that hair on the front of their body that's just uh really really cool so it'd make a great full body mount for sure that's i really i'm thinking i might start uh <laughs> looking at tags for that uh maybe yeah for what's cool next year what's What's cool about that one, and this is amazing. This is I put in for it a couple times over the years, but um, in New Mexico they don't do points, mm-hmm. and so I have just must just as much of a chance as anybody every year. And so this year, um, my father-in-law, my my wife's younger brother, and I, we all drew a Barbary sheep permit. So pretty excited. That's oh, so you did the draw as a group? We did. Yep. That's that's really fantastic. I like that I've. You know, I'm like I said, I'm brand new at this, and I'm I'm was really uh, learning about all the draw stuff and how it works, and um, finding out that they let you draw as a group. I thought was one of the most interesting things because you know, yeah, you want to be able to go hunting with family and friends, and you know, you don't, you're not everyone's able to necessarily go on three separate hunts, and so you know, everybody can go on everyone else's hunt. It's it's Put, it shows a lot of forethought by the you know the people managing these animals that they they set it up that way that you can do a group application. I just thought that was uh, a cool feature that I don't think a lot of new hunters know about. You know. Yeah, you're right, and I I, I know the other thing too. In the states that have points, um, what they do is they um, they give that advantage to the guy with less points and, and kind of average those out. So you've got a better chance if you do put in with people that have a few more points and. I've benefited from that in Wyoming in the past where someone else had more points than I, and we put in together and 
harvested a pretty good buck in um, unit H a few years back. And um, so really, um, you know, really excited about that. I have, uh, I've got um, 16 moose points in Utah for the, the Shiris moose. And I'm hoping, I think it'll, it'll probably be the next few years. I'll, I'll probably draw that permit and that will absolutely be an archery experience for me for sure. Um, so yeah, there's just, uh, you know, lots of, lots of great hunts around and you can only do so many in a year when you've got a full-time <laughs> job and a family and other things, but. Oh, you're um, preaching to the choir. My, uh, <laughs> uh, starting this new job about a year and a half ago, my vacation day allotment suddenly got a whole lot tighter cause I didn't have seniority anymore. And yeah. so, uh, you know, and I, I, before, before I started getting interested in hunting, I really honestly didn't take vacation. You know, I didn't need much more than a weekend or the holidays, you know, occasionally I'd, I'd maybe do something during the summer. But when I started getting into hunting all of a sudden I started realizing, oh man, I, uh, I got to figure out a way how to, (laughs) how I can hunt over weekends a little bit better. I need to get those. I'm getting into the world of the Saturday tag. (laughs) Yeah. Oh yeah. No, it's a, it's a tough thing to do for sure. And I, you know, that, that again, in Utah, that's why um, I have just, you know, I'm a very a big proponent of that dedicated hunter program. Um, if you're not familiar with it, um, we, we uh, commit 32 hours of service in a three-year period to um, wildlife and projects, building fences, uh, breaking trails, cleaning up trash, um, watching, you know, uh, helping uh, boats that are coming out of lakes that have the tiger uh, zebra mussels and making sure that um, that they're not transporting those anywhere. So you're doing inspections. I mean, anything that's helpful, you're donating time for. And then as a reward, you get to hunt all three hunts. And, um, you know, one of the give backs is I'm only going to tag two deer in three years at the very most. And which for um, a lot of people is a lot more than they expect out of three years. <laughs> yeah. 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 It, it definitely could be. But if you really get out on those hunts and you, you're out in the field that often and earlier before the rifles start cracking and they're chasing you're all over Hades, um, and scattered everywhere. You have a lot of opportunities that you're just not going to get otherwise. Um, they also have one other requirement to attend a, they call it a RAC meeting. It's a regional advisory council. And, and it makes you, you've got to go and attend and sign up on a list. And, and that's where they make the laws and, um, make adjustments to regulations. They talk about statistics and, um, mortality rates based on winter or, predators and other things. So it gives you an opportunity in a more public open forum to voice your concerns and to speak to those people that are making the laws and the decisions that affect the hunting community. So it's just a really great program. And I've, um, well, you know, that's something that people should be doing anyway, is going to these meetings as hunters. We should be involved in those. We should be finding out locally where those meetings are and going to them. I mean, they're, you know, we shouldn't necessarily need a reward to get involved in that way. Cause I mean, that's our future and our, you know, our posterity's future to, uh, that we're managing. And if we put, a, put our voice in, that's, you know, we have no excuse otherwise. Yeah. It's a, it's a very valuable resource and we're blessed to have the opportunity to continue the tradition of hunting. Um, one of the things about it too, and you know, I, I'm, um, you know, my mother, um, growing up, her family had a meat locker uh, called Springville Meat Locker, just a couple towns over from where I live. And uh, so she kind of grew up around that and her dad hunted and all that. But um, but a lot of guys, you know, they take their their um, game in for processing. And but we we field dress ours. We cape them out. We quarter them out if necessary. We, we use all the meat. We cut it up, put it in our packs. We bring it home. We get the family together. We get some friends. We all have a meat wrapping party <laughs> and we, we process a hundred percent of our game meat. And so in my freezers usually full of, you know, deer or elk meat or, you know, other, other game that I've harvested fish and other things, um, year round. And, uh, I personally, I'm, I'm someone who enjoys cooking and, and those kinds of things for my family. So I, I prepare all that, um, because it's a part of me really putting a period or an exclamation point at the end of the sentence of, you know, this is why we do this. I'm providing for my family physically and literally with my sweat, blood and tears. I enjoy it. Um, 99.9% of my enjoyment, honestly, and this is just the, this is the honest truth, has nothing to do with releasing an arrow 
or pulling a trigger. I, I enjoy the entire process. I love and respect the, the animals that I'm able to, to harvest and to, and to kill and ultimately bring back to my home and feed my family with and neighbors and people in need. Um, there's just so much good that is done with that when, uh, you know, when you, when you harvest an animal on your own and I'm just not paying McDonald's or Walmart <laughs> to do my killing mm-hmm. for me. I'm well, what was it? You know, talking about it's it's that interesting point, you know, you share that with your neighbors and your friends and your family and I think it's uh I think it was from a a speech by Shane Mahoney where he talks about um wild game and like this stuff you harvest yourself. Um so often we do, you know, you take that and I remember my first experience ever with wild game is I had a neighbor and he brought over uh, some deer sausage and uh, a few slices of deer sausage for us. And I tried it, you know, and I was obviously really sentimental and I'm like, this is deer. Bambi's great. You know, I was, I was a really sentimental kid about Disney movies, I'm sure. Um, But it's one of those interesting things where you do, you will take that and you will share it and it will, uh, you know, it, it feeds even more than just your family, you know, and it, it feeds the community and builds your community, um, and, and, and causes it to grow. And you, you don't get that with a steak you bought from the store, you know, it's like, what, what happens? Are you going to go, you're going to go pick up some tri? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not going to complain if any of my neighbors rolled up said, Hey man, I got you a tri tip, but you know, you right. do that in most places, people are going to look at you kind of weird. Be like, what did you do to it? <laughs> yeah. Why are you giving it to me? Is it old? Right. What? <laughs> versus, you Is know, you, what's wrong with it? Yeah. yeah. Versus you roll up and you're like, hey, you know, I, I'm a hunter. I went out and I, you know, I harvested a deer this year and I, you know, I just wanted to share it with you. People are like, that's so cool. Well, I mean, right. for the most part, I've definitely got some neighbors who would not appreciate that too much, but, uh, right. Right. <laughs> I, I might, I might actually get an earful from them, uh, about, yeah. uh, how cruel and horrible of a person I am, but that's, that's also Los Angeles for you. But. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. They, you know, and, that, and another thing that I'll do, you know, I'll make, um, and my brothers, my family, my friends, they all know, I mean, I, you know, and I, I, I like to bake cinnamon rolls or, you know, my mom did that when we were growing up in the deer home. It was, we always had these cinnamon rolls and it's kind of nostalgic a little bit. So I've kind of kept that tradition going. I'll make up a big batch of cinnamon rolls. I'll make jerky from the previous year's, uh, you know, animals that I've harvested and um, we're enjoying jerky and cinnamon rolls and, and this camaraderie on the hunt that you just, you don't get any other way. And I've never, in fact, I can't think of anybody yet that I've ever taken as a guest or a friend or family member that came on a hunt that didn't want to come back the next year. I mean, they all, it's, you know, a lot of people that I've, I have uh, brothers-in-law and some of my brothers aren't really into hunting, but they absolutely come and join in and help out. And, you know, um, I can't tell you how many elk I've helped somebody else pack out, drag out, cut up what, you know, um, that I didn't even know, but they were up on the mountain and they, you know, they had an animal down and it's hot and you're trying to help them get it down to the bottom of the Canyon. And, you know, you're not seeing anything. And it's like, you know, I got a few hours instead of going back to the truck and taking a nap, let's, let's get this thing taken care of. And, and that's just a brotherhood that exists within the hunting community that I know and all of the people that, that I'm used to, um, you know, seeing out in the field and, uh, being in that community. So it's, it's, it really stands for, you know, for, for me, it just feels like a, it's just super American. It, you know, that's what it feels like to me. So. You know, it's really, it is, it is really a cool thing. You know, I don't, you know, I, like I said, I keep repeating this on podcast after podcast is I'm brand new at this, you know, and I'm the first one to admit, I don't know a ton of stuff, but, uh, you know, so I don't, you know, I'm still meeting a lot of people. I've met a lot of fantastic people, but most of the people I know, you know, have their next two years of hunts planned out. And, uh, you know, so I'm, I'm working on finding a hunting partner and, you know, somebody, uh, you know, if I need to, I'll go into the back country, but, you know, um, for safety's sake and just the fact that I'm hunt going out and hunting elk, uh, rather right. than, you know, necessarily whitetail, um, right. it's going to be a bit more effort to, if I get something to get that out and, uh, yeah. you know, 
my my two best friends you know neither of them are hunters but you know they they're used to me talking about all this and i won't shut up about it and my coworkers probably wish i would um <laughs> but you know i'm talking with my two best friends and they're both hikers and neither of them are opposed to hunting but neither of them have a desire to do it and uh one of them my buddy matt uh he's like well, I should just come out with you on one of these hunts. And I, I started thinking about that. I'm like, hmm. And so, you know, we started talking about it more. And I, like I said, I've said it before. He's, he's, I'm like, so wait, you're, you're willing to come out. You're, you're an avid hiker. You know, he hikes mountains. Uh, he's, he, he's traveled all over the world and it's his goal to hike every major mountain in the world. And, uh, so he's got gear, he's got good boots, he's got a good pack. Um, you know, all he's really missing is the camo. Right. And uh, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, if I can get him in the camo. And we were talking. He's like, yeah, I'll totally come out with you. And I'm like, so right. you have no desire to shoot an animal, but you'll help me pack one out. You'll carry a camera. I'm like, I'm going to buy you a bugle tube and some reeds and you're going to practice. <laughs> and uh, there you go. <laughs> so right now I've kind of got the ideal. In theory, I've got the ideal hunting partner. Um you do. You don't have to compete with him, and he's just there to help you. That's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Throw a camera, throw a camera on him, and uh, we're good to go. But uh, hopefully, uh, Matt, if you're listening to this, you better not back out. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm. Uh, <laughs> you know, I can shoot a bow. Yes, that's there a threat. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, a good partner is a is a really important thing. Um, and you know, I've I've got some good buddies in in hunting and and uh you know sometimes just kind of depending on schedules and, and whatnot it doesn't always work out that you can get out with them i know uh you know you hear you hear cameron haynes talk about roy roth and and what a huge part of his life he was it's a really you know a, a neat story and and history there but um i can so relate to that that yearning and i haven't really i don't know that i've i've really found that you know lifelong hunting buddy that I mean, the closest thing that I have would be my, my father-in-law and, uh, you know, he, he's, he's in his mid sixties. He's still in great shape. He can still spot deer that, you know, most people would never even know were there. I mean, he's, he's very skilled. Um, so that, that's very enjoyable, but, um, but at the same time, you know, uh, I think just that level of appreciation, that, that, um, passion for what you're doing is, you know, it's, it's a little bit unique. I mean, there's a lot of hunters that aren't, don't take it quite so seriously. And so when you're, when you're really passionate about it, I think, you know, it might be a little tougher to find that, um, ideal hunting buddy that, that feels the same way, um, that you do about it. But if you, if you can find someone that'll help you bugle and take pictures and help <laughs> you pack something out, you're, you're ahead of the game. That's for sure. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Oh, here's open. Um, so what, uh, what's your absolute favorite animal to hunt? You know, we've talked a lot about deer. We've talked about some of the other tags you're drawing. What's, what's your absolute favorite? So I have, um, over the years and, and more recently, I I've gotten a lot more passionate about elk. Um, I, I do, um, you know, where I live, it's hard to draw a, a, a premium elk permit. I mean, it's all, they say it's almost a once in a lifetime tag now. So every year I can buy a spike elk permit or I could shoot a cow elk. Um, I don't have any desire to shoot a cow elk. And so, Last year, I did not. I did not harvest a spike elk on the archery hunt. Um, 
There are some big bull units I went up in and, and didn't have any opportunities there. Could have shot cow elk, but elected not to do so. Um, so I'm, I'm really enjoying um, elk generally. Um, I've been a mule deer hunter my entire life, and that's something that I always love. But I think um, elk with the bugling and the rut the way that it is and just how majestic they, they, they are as an animal. Um, they're, they're, the meat is wonderful, and they're a big animal. So when you're able to get one, you, you really uh, do pretty well on the meat. I mean, I've, I've, you know, I've killed some decent deer that, um, you know, you end up with 50, 60 pounds of meat and, you know, it doesn't last a real long time. So, so <laughs> bigger, bigger animals, better. Um, bear hunting is something else that I really enjoy. I haven't done that as I haven't done that, um, annually. Um, there's a reduced bear permit up in Idaho that you can buy for cheap if you're hunting, um, uh, deer also or purchase a hunting permit that's like 250 bucks, you can get a reduced bear tag for $65 and you can buy up to two. And so if you're going to hunt deer in Wyoming as an out of, or I'm sorry, in Idaho as an out of stater anyway, I would always buy those bear tags as well. And, that's, uh, that's one thing I've been looking at is because I'm doing this, uh, I'm doing an Idaho rut hunt, archery rut hunt. Um, I'm, I was looking and I'm like, I saw that, that same tag and I'm like, well, you know, same 65 bucks might as well, you know, if, yeah. uh, and then I was also looking at picking up a uh, wolf tag as well, because mm-hmm. just with the amount of wolves out there, nobody's obviously, you know, everyone's like, shoot a wolf, shoot a wolf, shoot a wolf. Yeah. Yeah. The wolf population, un- unfortunately is doing um, too well. And there, there's, there's a problem there. There's wolves in Utah now too, that, you know, I've gotten down into this area. Uh, I don't think real commonly, but um, they are here, and, um, and and that's that's a problem. Especially, you know, the bears are very tough on those moose calves and elk calves. Um, moose really struggle with with black bears. Um, I know uh, the thing about Idaho, and, we, and where we hunt um, bears there, um, it's about an eleven or twelve hour drive from where I'm at. It's up near the Panhandle, okay, um, northern Idaho. But um, the first year that I went, it was raining like crazy um, on that first day that we hunted. And we spotted six bears off the road like deer up on hillsides and that were, you know, a thousand yards away or less. I mean, just they were everywhere. Oh, wow. So that's, um, you know, that's that's an opportunity where you don't need dogs. We didn't have bait and we got a couple of bears that that year. And um so there's there's a lot of opportunity um, out there. There's a lot of a uh, lot of game that needs management. Um, Have you seen? It irritates the every time I see it. It irritates the hell out of me for two reasons. But it it floats around every every few months to every year. There's a time when it'll get passed around. It'll float around again, and it's it's this video, and it talks about like Mother Nature is so amazing. You know, uh, I think they were talking about. Um, now I always get them confused, and one of them's in my state, Yellowstone and Yosemite. Which is the one that's? Uh... Yeah, Yellowstone. Yeah, yeah, Yosemite's up uh, in in California. Yellowstone okay. is up in up in um, northern Idaho and Wyoming. For th- I've been alive for thirty four years, and to this day, I still cannot keep them straight. <laughs> but it's talking Both about the Y. Yeah, oh, there you go. Uh, it's, uh, it's talking about you know the wolf uh, reintroducing wolves into. Um, into Yellowstone and it's just this whole mother nature is so glorious and, and look what happened when wolves were reintroduced. It started reducing this and it redirected rivers and everything is so beautiful. And I'm sitting there and I'm just, and I just fume as this thing keeps, I'm, I'm just sitting there stewing as this video keeps going and going and going one, because they keep calling elk deer, which I'm just like, come on. Basic research. <laughs> this is obviously not a deer. Um, and and two, I'm just like I'm like, yeah, you know what it it did balance out things for a while, but they didn't take into account that there's nothing then to balance out the wolves and and the populations are going to grow and they're going to spread to other states. And I'm just I'm like sitting here fuming the whole time. At any time, oh man, I was a keyboard warrior. When my friends would post that, I'd be like, actually, tap 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 tap. <laughs> And and my friends would all be like, "Dang, dude! <laughs> like, you got something? How do you really feel about it?" 
too uh, fired up. Yeah, I, yeah, the wolves wolves are a problem for sure. They're uh, they're the top of the food chain, and you know, black bears are the they need to be managed for a similar reason. I mean, at least they're omnivorous to a degree, but and you know, they may feed on on some carrion here and there, but they're 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 tough on those uh, on those populations of deer and elk and moose. Well, we, and they need to be managed. Our deer here in California are almost non-existent because of the black bear. Um, you know, we've got, uh, our black bear tags is it's basically, you know, you can, there's a, a, a reporting limit. Um, and then you, anybody can buy a tag. It's, you know, it's super cheap. I think it's like 30 bucks, but anyone can buy a tag until that limit's reached. And then it's, and it's never reached, but, um, that's one thing. The two things just kind of to get my hunting in here in California, I I want to I want to start doing uh, more trips to look for bear, and I want to start uh, doing more trips for pig because um, we mm-hmm. have you know here that's the other thing we have just more than an overabundance of here in California is pig, mm-hmm. yeah. um, and you know those are things I can do with a over the course of a weekend you know uh, for bear I could do you know I could take a one two hour drive and find some spots that might have bear and you uh-huh. know. Uh, two, three hours for good spots for pig. And so, you know, that's something I can do over a weekend, you know, pack in, pack in the tent, do some dispersed camping and doesn't all have to be these grand out of state hunts that I desperately want to do, but. Yeah. And that, well, and, and, you know, like your question earlier, that's where trail cameras can be very helpful. Um, I know, you know, I, some of your podcasts and, and a lot of them that are out there now, a lot of people use Google earth. Um, I invested in a Rhino 650 T a GPS with the radio on it, man, what an amazing tool. I mean, I've got all my cameras marked. I've got glassing points marked. I've got it on a map Then I can do a Google earth overlay. I can see where, you know, where this animal was or that animal was. And you start getting some years of history in some of these places that you've been and you really get a feel for what's out there and what you can do to help yourself be more successful. So you're not spending weeks and weeks and months, uh, you know, ultimately to fail because yeah. you're starting over every time that you go out in the field. And, you know, honestly, I, I feel kind of dumb right now because I thought to myself, I'm like, well, you know, I just, I don't have the time to get out to these, you know, out to Arizona or out to uh, Idaho or uh, Colorado or wherever, you know, I want to go hunting and set up trail cams and, and scout and then come back and you know, check them. I'm, I'm thinking, why am I not doing this for, uh, yeah, I may not be out hunting uh, elk here in California. I may not have gotten a Thule tag or anything, but I can do this for bear. There's other animals that walk in front of trail cams and I feel kind of dumb right now, but uh, I'm like, I need to start doing that. And especially with apps like camo fire, there's absolutely no reason for me not to buy trail cams when they're so stinking cheap at this point. Oh, they have a, yeah, I, I, they just, they have great deals, 75 bucks with the SD cards and batteries for some really nice stealth cams and they work wonderfully. I I bought a bunch of those from those guys. I think I'm pretty sure they have a stealth cam available on camo fire every day if not if not at least you know two out of three days and multiple models and stuff like that and um yeah see and for me lately and this is kind of what we were talking about earlier but i have turned my run that i was doing along the streets of salem utah before around the cemetery into a mountain trail run workout with my backpack i have my binoculars on my bows in my truck with my target in the back and then I've got a pack full of trail cams, um, trophy rock, uh, buck jam. So I'm weighing my pack down with 50, 60 pounds of cameras and bait. And I'm turning my run into a spotting trip, a trail camera setting trip, a trail camera checking trip. And then at the end, I'm shooting my bow. And I can do all of that in a couple hours or maybe two and a half hours on a Saturday morning. And I'm, I'm multitasking to the nth degree in those cases, but oh, yeah. you know, it, you know, it makes it not, not such an event every time you've got it. Cause that's, that's one of the, this last year, I just didn't have time. And then the snow came and it was deep and I actually went on, uh, around Easter to try and retrieve some trail cameras I had up in a really high, uh, high Canyon 
and there was literally an avalanche that had covered where my trail oh, camera gosh. was. So I went up about two months or well, about two months later, which is just, just barely. And, uh, the snow had melted. My camera was still there to the tree. And the craziest thing about it, the batteries were still working and I had pictures from a week before. So, oh, so that funny, fortunate for me in that case. <laughs> Probably got some nice, uh, white avalanche pictures too. I imagine. I, I did. I did get some of that, but yeah. <laughs> well, so, uh, looking at the time, uh, you know, we're kind of winding down here. Um, you know, I always like to end with, uh, maybe some advice or some words of wisdom or encouragement for some new hunters that are just starting to get into the outdoors and hunting, uh, as well as maybe folks like me from the city who just feel intimidated. There's so much to learn. It's, you know, this is too hard for me to do. What would you say to those people? Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's a great question. Um, I think for me, the advice I would give, um, invest a little bit in again, um, things like, uh, you know, um, Elk 101 with Corey Jacobson. If you if you want to learn how to bugle and call elk and learn about elk habitat and behavior, um, you know, get get on Go Hunt or some of these other um, services that are available um, that that will help you figure out the tag system and kind of what to put in for them, what your odds are. Um, there, I have always used MonsterMuleys.com to look at the. There's some others out now that are pretty good. There's a, one called Point Hunter app that I bought for a few bucks a couple of years ago keeps track of all of my points in all the different states. It was just a few dollars one time. They notify me through the app and by email when when the permit deadlines are, what I drew, if I didn't draw. I mean, they're really, um, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of really neat tools out there because of technology. So I would, I would you know, do some of those things. Um, YouTube is incredible. I mean, you can really find all kinds of stuff there, um, how to, how to, sight in your bow or, or how to get into this or that. Um, there's a lot of online resources. And then more than that, you know, find somebody, go to the local archery shop, go to your Cabela's, go, go to the archery counter or the gun counter and talk to those folks. Cause they'll, I mean, they'll help you out like crazy. I actually, um, the, the place I bought my bow Humphreys archery down in Payson, Utah, I called uh, Austin there the other day and, and was asking him about this total archery challenge. I haven't done that in the past. I uh, wasn't able to um, work it out in my work schedule, but I've signed up this year up at Snowbird here in a month or so. I signed up for the 5K Keep Hammering Trail Run with Cameron Haynes up there. Really excited about those events. Get involved in those kinds of things when they're around. You'll find people there that will help you willingly. They're excited to talk about their passion, just like you know you and I are. And um, I think you know just borrowing that knowledge from uh, willing, you know, brothers in, in the sport, um, is, is probably your best way to not only find the passion, but really learn from other people's wisdom. Well, that's, um, great advice from a very experienced hunter. Um, thank you so much for, uh, hopping on the show, Mike. Uh, if people wanted to find you online, what's the best place to scope out all your runs and uh, get some inspiration. <laughs> um, yeah, just my, uh, I'm Michael T. Merrill is my, uh, my username on, uh, Instagram and Facebook and all that. So I try and, I try and post stuff, um, that I'm doing and, um, you know, enjoy the encouragement and the cheers from, from those that, that need a lift. And, and I, I like following all kinds of people that motivate me too. So. Fantastic. Well, thanks again for hopping on the show tonight. All right. You bet. Thank you, Sam. Appreciate it. Love, love to come back anytime you need. All right, y'all, that'll do it for episode 24 of Living Country in the City. If you're needing some inspiration as you prep for this hunting season, if you are looking for that little extra bit of drive to kind of get you going in the morning, make sure you head on over to Mike's socials, check him out, give him a wave, get your inspiration. And uh, you can find all of those links on our show notes page at livingcountryinthecity.com slash 24. I am flying out tomorrow for Snowbird uh, Total Archery Challenge. Super excited. Can't wait to get out there. Really not thrilled that it's going to be 100 degrees on Saturday and Sunday. Um, I may actually die during the trail run. There's a very good chance. I was already concerned about my performance, but uh, running two and a half miles at altitude in 100 degree heat is definitely going to be pretty brutal. 
either way, I'm looking forward to getting out to Utah and meeting y'all. Make sure you hit me up if you haven't already. Um, I know it's going to be a crazy time. Uh, I'm looking forward to getting there. But in the meantime, stay country, y'all. Thank y'all for listening to Living Country in the City. Get show notes and check out the blog, product reviews, events, and more at livingcountryinthecity.com. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. to go like just full-blown redneck on these fish this is like high-tech cane pole fishing right here from the white sandy beaches to the crystal blue waters enjoy the best fishing panama city beach has to offer during chasing the sun sundays at 9 30 a.m eastern on waypoint tv the destination for outdoor entertainment